What's up, everybody? We back. R2C2. Another week. What's good, guys? Well, we are rolling with some big-time guests. If you guys haven't been uh, locked in of late, go back and listen to our recent episodes because we have been on a roll. This week, we are as well. We get to chat with Austin Riley of the Braves. Uh, we have Christian Yelich coming up. We have... Uh, Devin Haney coming up, an incredible young boxer. We have some amazing other things in the pipeline as well coming in the next couple weeks. So it's um it's a good time for R2C2. And see, it's also just a good time for us as sports fans before we get to Austin because <clears throat> this is an NBA playoffs in a first round that has a lot of intrigue to it. Man, it's crazy on both sides, right? East and West, yeah. like the Miami and the Bucks series, you know, Giannis yep. having the back contusion. Um, the Clippers hero in the breaking his hand. Hero yeah. break, yeah. The, the Clippers in the Sun series, like, who, I mean, I feel like whoever wins that series is probably going to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, that Clippers yeah. and Sun series, and then you got the Warriors in trouble. Dude, it's it, it it's in trouble in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting trying to dive into this Draymond Green situation because we actually. I saw a lot of people coming to his defense after the suspension was announced just because they felt the punishment was too harsh given it was an act or an entanglement that was instigated by DeMontis Sabonis. However, see, if I'm a member of the Warriors or the Warriors organization, and I know some of this is just part of Draymond and what makes him good as well. But there has to be a fatigue factor here where you're just like, dude, enough of this. Don't put yourself in these positions where you could possibly get suspended. Well, you could kind of see that with his teammates, right? Like after after he was did his little performance around the arena and he came back and Iguodala and another guy was there. He tried to give him a five and nobody like reached their hand out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I've watched little things like that, like with yeah, teammates and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, it is some fatigue, but you're right. Like that's what makes him great. And that's what makes him go. But, but I feel like, um, this is a little harsh. I feel like, I mean, yeah. obviously we know, you know, he's had some, some things in the past and I mean, obviously a lot of things in the past, but I feel like him getting kicked out of the game, getting a flagrant two and all of that, that was, the, that was enough punishment. You know what I yeah. mean? Like his, suspending him for game three, I just feels like. This feels like extra excess, yeah. and, and it's putting the Warriors uh, in a huge hole. Obviously, being down 2-0, they're going home, but their best defender. I mean, after after Draymond got uh, got kicked out of the game, the Suns scored twenty. I mean, the the, the Kings scored twenty three points in the fourth quarter. Cause yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like he makes such a huge difference on defense that I, I just think that it's going to be tough for them to win Game Three, even at home. Yeah, it's um. I mean, we saw it. The only reason the Warriors lost one of those titles to Cleveland was because Absolutely. of Draymond's suspension. There's no way they lose. They're going to win that series in five if it's not for that suspension. I am not sure, and I know this isn't the popular thing to do, I'm not sure how I feel about whether or not it should or shouldn't have been a suspension. I'm inclined to, I think, believe what you just said, see, where, hey, he already has been punished for... What happened? Think about that fourth quarter. It's a three-point game. If he doesn't get kicked out of the rest of the game, there's they, a good chance the Warriors they probably win, that, win game. that game. Yeah, there's a good. I think they would have. I we'll think they would have too. I was watching the game. I mean, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a huge shift when he, huge. 
Huge. Like just defensively, everything. It was a huge shift. Like the Kings went off after he got after he. Well, got you saw Looney and drop coverage struggling against them. Then yeah, yeah. It, it was, it it was huge. And Draymond is a separator in that sense. Like you know, people sometimes like to poke fun at Draymond's value because obviously he doesn't put up the points that his other teammates who have been a part of this championship run do. But Draymond's impact is enormous. He yeah. is an incredible defender. And what he's able to do that allows the Warriors to play small has been an essential part of this championship run. So when people just completely dismiss him and say, hey, they've had enough, it's done, you have to let him go at the end of this year, I understand that because I feel that fatigue too, but I also am like, mm, like, are you sure you want to do that? Because yeah. you may not win also if you don't have him. I know. I, I was just thinking about this the other day, like the Warriors, you know, and the decisions that they have to make coming up is, is regarding this dynasty. And yes. it kind of feels like they almost kind of made a, the wrong decision in drafting Wiseman. I know I was excited about it at the time, but they could have had LaMelo, you know what I'm saying? And, yes, and then and then you have a and then you have a different outlook coming up, but yep. now it's just like you got Jordan Poole, and then you know hopefully Kaminga can turn into what we hope he's going to turn into. But this might be the end of it, guys. It might be. It might be. And I felt last year, after seeing the way the Celtics succeeded in the playoffs, the way the Nets did not, the way the finals played out. I felt like it was a great illustration of the importance of continuity, connectivity, and two-way players. Mm -hmm. Because what you realize is the talent in the league is evenly distributed enough now that you can't really get away with having somebody on the floor who is a big minus on either the offensive or defensive end. Even now, Philadelphia... They need P.J. Tucker to shoot the corner threes that he was passing up during the regular season. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you can't really play him, right? And the problem for me with the Warriors this year, even though they have built-in longevity with their connectivity, they were a completely disjointed team during mm -hmm. the regular season. They did not in any way look like a championship team at any point during the regular season. And the huge veteran pieces that were essential to their rotation last year off the bench this year were changed for younger pieces. Now they got Peyton back, obviously, but it's not the same team as they had last year, especially as it comes to that bench those bench pieces. See, so I I wonder if we just end up looking at this and what happens with the Kings. And granted, we're recording this when it's a two zero series, yeah, and we don't know what's going to happen. But I wonder if we end up looking at this and saying, well, of course, Sacramento, a team who was much better all season who had much more continuity within this season, of course they disposed of them. The Warriors were a mess all year, and we were just trying to say, well, eventually they'll find the way they've always been. But really, this group never was going to. No, you're right. I mean, Mike Brown has, has got the – he's been the coach of the year. You know what yep. I mean? De'Aaron Fox is, is going to make All-NBA. Sabonis is probably going to make an All-NBA team. So, yeah, this team is probably the better team. <laughs> We just don't want to say it because the Warriors are the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yeah. I, and I wonder if that's where we end up falling back but, but on But going this. back to that connectivity, though, I feel yeah. like that's something the Suns are, are missing a little bit. You mm. know what I'm Like, they don't, yeah. they don't really, like, it's, I'm watching and, like, it's, it's kind of hard for them to find KD sometimes. Game one, he didn't take a shot for the last five minutes. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's just they're trying to figure out each other 
in the first round of the fucking playoffs playing Kawhi and the Clippers, guys. Yeah. Like, so it's, you're right. You got to have, like, these guys got to get on the floor and play with each other, bro. It's really interesting. And this is where Hubie always says playoffs are about matchups. And it's so true. Think about if you're the Suns. There's an excellent chance you go to the NBA Finals. There's an excellent chance you, you lose in the first round. in the first yeah. fucking round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you happen to draw the Clippers. That suck. That's crazy. Like, it's, yes. that's, a, that's a wild, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I, it's crazy to think that, because, though, but it's absolutely, I mean, true. Be, because, for example, on the flip side of things, and obviously some of this is the work you do in the regular season or not, but on the flip side of things, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, if they're completely healthy, there's no chance of them losing in the first round. Zero. That's not on the table for them. It's, it is on the table for both the Clippers and the Suns, both of whom could be finals teams. That's why the West is really intriguing right now, because yeah. the same thing you could say about the Kings and the Warriors, although maybe we don't end up saying it about the Warriors once we get a little separated. But, of course, going into it, they had the second shortest odds in the West. Yeah. It's, nah, it's it, crazy. It's, and the Lakers look great. Yes. Great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, if you look at their roster now compared to the one they played with, you know, building Most up of their the year, yeah. crappy record, you or or drooping down their crappy record, it's a completely different team. Yeah. And a team that had success once they were put together after the trade deadline. It would be, I mean, a Warriors Lakers second round series would be so oh my fascinating. Gosh. For the I mean, just for the game, that'd be crazy. Yeah. But I do wonder, like, the Kings are becoming I think that, a that, national story. That would be a better matchup. Yeah. Like well, the, and that, bu- that building is unbelievable uh, right now. I heard. I heard I've yeah. never been, I haven't been up to the new one. But I, but I think the Kings have a, would have a better chance. I don't think the Warriors can beat the Lakers. Yeah. Not right uh, now. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. How about that, the Lakers getting back in this place? Oh, right. We'll have plenty more NBA playoff talk throughout these weeks. Right now we get a chance to chat with a man who's done – so many things in his career already. He's been an all-star, a World Series champ, a Silver Slugger winner, signed a 10-year, $212 million deal that takes him through 2032, a former early pick, and now a star who's hit 30-plus home runs in back-to-back seasons, 38 last year. Austin Riley of the Red Hot Atlanta Braves joins R2C. See, uh, we get to chat with the guy who's he's really good at baseball. Like, really good. You know? Like, I mean, we like to talk to all kinds of different people in the sport of baseball. Some that are, you know, good. And then some that are, like, really, really good. And and Austin's one of those dudes. Austin, thank you for being with us, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the, the compliment. I, I do. <laughs> We appreciate you getting up with us. You guys on the West Coast right now, right? Yeah. So I, West Coast, I, I don't know if I'll ever adjust just being on the East Coast so much. It's like I've been up yesterday morning. I got up at 530. This morning I got up at <laughs> six. Um, so I've, I feel like I've been rocking and rolling for, for a while now. So no no worries. Austin, you have had already an incredibly decorated career. You're a young dude, but there's so many boxes that – You've already checked, right? You're 26, and yet you've won a World Series. You've been an All-Star. You've won a Silver Slugger. You've got your you know, big long-term contract as well. What, how has, if at all, checking some of those huge boxes that for you know, a lot of people, 
they don't get maybe until you know their 30s in their career or way deeper into it you know some people obviously never win a world series what has it done if anything to kind of your perspective of where you are right now in your professional journey having already accomplished things that are lifelong goals within a lifelong goal yeah it's um it's been humbling it, it really has it, it just you know especially the world series i mean that's that's the the reason why you know as a little kid you you start playing the game of just you know watching you know cc play and i remember growing up uh, <laughs> yeah. watching him getting on the mound and you know doing his thing i'm a huge fan of of ucc and just you know oh, thank you. being being that kid wanting to experience that moment and then doing it at some such a young age i feel you know extremely fortunate um and and, and kind of spoiled because you know you take uh, you know a guy like like mike trout that's you know never been in the playoff and as a caliber of player as he is um you know you just feel so 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 blessed and, and fortunate and to you know you try to take everything in um and and just you know be in the moment as much as possible and and, and try to enjoy the ride does it does it make it a little easier being in that braves organization where like winning is kind of demanded where, you know what I mean? Like you come up in that organization yeah. and they're used to winning. You kind of get in that field of like, you know, going out and trying to win a game every day. I know that sounds crazy, but like you come up in some organizations and winning is not like the ultimate goal. When you right. come up in Atlanta, you come up in New York or Boston, some of these places, like if you don't get to the postseason, that, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bad season. You know what I'm saying? It is. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And, and, you know, being in an organization like that, you know, it's kind of been from day one. That was like the whole the whole goal being, you know, around Chipper Jones, Dale Murphy, Terry Pendleton, um, getting to spend some time with Hank Aaron. Those guys like that's what the whole, you know, if you say a Braves way of what they tried to establish is is you show up every day you play and you're expected to win. And if you don't, it's you know, it's you, you scratch it up as a, as a loss. Um, so just being in that organization or an organization like that, it's, I think it, you know, you, they surround yourself with guys that have the same mentality and it then in a sense pushes you to be, you know, a better version of yourself, a better person, better player. Um, and ultimately it gets the, it gets the most out of you. That's what we always talk about, Ruko, with like culture. Like yeah. I feel like the Braves culture never goes anywhere because of the names that he just, he just came up with. And then you yeah. got, the young guys like him, like Austin Riley, like uh, Freddie Freeman, he'll come back right. and be a, a, a all-time brave. You know what I'm saying? Like their culture is is really cemented down there because of the people that they have around in that organization. No doubt, no doubt. And it's you know, it's like I said, it's fun to it's fun to come to the yard when when you're surrounded by a group of guys that have that same that same goal of of wanting to win, um, and for a, a, a city that is so passionate about Braves baseball. It's, um, like I said, I'll say it again. You know, I, I just feel very fortunate and blessed to be be a part of it. Now, Something so big and, and, you know, I'm just a small piece of it. What was your, Austin, what was your impression of the Braves growing up? Because you grew up in Mississippi, right? Which, so you're not, you're not, I believe where your parents live, only about like five hours from Atlanta, right? Yeah, it's like five and a half. Okay. Um, I'm, like 10, 15 minutes from Memphis. So right kind of gives you an okay. idea of okay. where, where I'm at. Um, you know, I was more of a, I was more of a player kind of follower, yeah. not at night. Yeah. So I followed, you know, Chipper Jones, uh, nice. 
Yadier Molina was one was a big one for me. Our pool holes, just kind of like that area. So those are some of the guys that I that I watched. Yeah. Um, but I like I said, you know the history of of Atlanta, the the Braves. I played summer ball there. Um, you know, I spent weeks and weeks there during the summer playing there. So I definitely know all, all about it. And it's you know, it's it's awesome. Uh, the the fan base is is great. Uh, they care so much about the game, uh, which is which is fine. I want to go back to the to your childhood and and where this all began because you you're born in Memphis, right? You you as you said, you're not far from there where you're living in in Mississippi. Now, your dad was your coach growing up. Yeah, like, yeah, dad was my coach. Okay, so was he like? Were you open <laughs> to instruction from dad, or were you like the kid who was like? I know dad knows what he's talking about, but like, he's the one person I can't hear anything from. <laughs> no, I actually, um, you know, I felt like I listened to him most, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least I thought, um, he, he was pretty hard on me. Never, you know, never gave me very much, not credit, but validation of, mm. you know, having success. He was always like, there's, there's ways to get better. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the mentality that I have, there's always, you know, in this game, there's always somebody coming for your job. There's always somebody, you know, trying to be better than you. So it's like, how can I get better each and every day? He always, still to this day, we talk pretty much every day. He's like, hey, have you done your forearm workouts today? Because uh, he was he was big on like, you know, forearm hitting. Like that's where your power came from. Uh, was having to get strong forearms. Uh, so it's it's funny. He still asks me to this day, did did I did I do my forearm workouts? What are you, what's your forearm workouts? It's like just, squeezing you know, the things squeeze or? It or just like, you know, any, any type of like, you know, reverse bar curl, some, just something yeah. to do forms. I've done them all the rice bucket. He, I was he, to hammered, say rice bucket. he hammered me with that, uh, growing up like a Wilson bucket, white Wilson bucket with rice in it. That's what, that's what we did. What do you do uh, with the rice up. bucket? I'm naive to this. It's very simple. of just like you're flicking it, you're grabbing it, you're squeezing it, holding very simple stuff. And it, 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 uh, it burns pr pretty good. It wow. does, and I, I used to grab a baseball like to get my grips, and I would get, get it in the bucket just to move it around and like right. move your hand around, and it, it really does burn. It's a good, it's a good workout, no doubt. No oh, doubt. that's that's funny. Now, you, we talk a lot about multi-sport athletes. You, you played quarterback in high school, right? Your first couple of years, yeah. How how um, if at all do you think playing quarterback? playing football, I know you then went on to punt, which I'm very interested about that. But like, <laughs> yeah. how, how did that help you to become the best version of yourself as a baseball player as well? I think, you know, I, I tell everybody, it's like play as many sports as, as you want. Like, I, I think it's important just because I think you learn the, the life lessons of, you know, just, just growing up uh, yeah. in football. Like I had a, a coach that was, you know, really hard on us. Um, so I think it's just, and, and then it's such a team sport. You learn like that team chemistry of, you know, being with your brothers, you know, I've to still to this day, my favorite was Friday night lights uh, in oh, high school. Yeah. That, that was awesome. Um, yeah. Like I said, I played, I played football or quarterback my freshman and sophomore year. And then, you know, obviously at that point I knew that baseball was starting to get heavy on me. Like I loved it. Um, and, and, so and then seven on seven got to be really big in summer and so i couldn't put much focus on the seven on seven 
So my dad punted at Mississippi State in two years with uh, Detroit Lions and, you know, we made the, the spring team. So that's where the punting came from. Um, so I was like, <laughs> I still want to be a part of the team um, as far as just like, you know, my guys were there. So I started punting my junior and senior year. So That's awesome. I think, I think the best baseball players play other sports. And, and baseball is always like the second sport that you play because you can get coached harder in, the, in whether it's soccer, wrestling, basketball, ba- I mean, football, you get coached up harder in those other sports. So you tend to play those with more aggression. And if you can bring that to the baseball field and, and have that, you know, that energy or that aggression every single day, it just gives you an edge, I think. I, I completely agree. And it's almost like that you start to, you know, learn that mental side of of how to deal with the difficult times and stuff like that. And the game of baseball is so mental um it, you know it just you know it kind of elevates you so I, I you know i tell everybody i was like play all the sports play ba- i played basketball my ninth grade year um so I, I played them all and i tell everybody too you are not get away gonna get away on the punting that easily though Austin. <laughs> we, i need to I, I need to know so like because here's the thing so you were starting at quarterback as a freshman and sophomore or were, were you yeah, in yeah. high school yeah i mean i I think you probably were being as like you're 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 a great athlete. Um, so how does it? How does the high school football coach who've told us is kind of tough? How does he take the news when his starting quarterback tells him, "You know what? I actually want to punt for you instead." <laughs> it was tough. It was like one of those conversations that like I still like. I'm like I I, I did not want to have it. So I go in there. I actually ended up telling him was like, "Hey, I'm not going to play at all." Like, so I was like, hey, you know, because like I said, seven on seven got so competitive. There was a, a quarterback there that, you know, he was there full time. That's all he did. So he was more more apt. to, You know, like I said, he was at the seven on seven. So um, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, coach, you know, I, I committed to Mississippi State to play baseball my sophomore year. So I was like, hey, I'm just gonna I'm just going to do that. Um, and he like basically wouldn't let me. <laughs> um, so you know me being a high school teenager i was like i don't know what to do so i was like well let me let me just punt like i'll i'll show up like i'll be part of the team um so i ended up you know it actually worked out great because we worked on special teams like the first 20 minutes of practice so i, I got to come there work on special teams and then i went to baseball so and then <laughs> oh, I got to, I, yeah right so then i just showed up for for friday night um but yeah, he was uh, he was he was hard on me at times. I I, I still you know like I said, I remember he um, I was quarterback and it was like walk through day before. Um, I had like thrown that pass and he was like, "Did you eat paint chips while you were younger?" <laughs> said, That's the kind of cut you like. like um, it was it was good stuff. But like I said, those are the moments I I remember and, and um, you know looking back, I I, I enjoyed them or enjoy them now because like I said, it was it was awesome. You can look back now and appreciate that stuff now, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. You, so, last thing on the punting, and then I promise to move on. Are you, what's, what's the furthest punt you had in your high school career? Do you remember? I think it was, it was right around 64 oh, yards. Shit. I think. Ooh, yeah. Dad's um, going to like was, that my dad one. Was, my dad was really good. So that's like what we did in the backyard to like hang out. It's like we would punt. So I got to learn how to like, do the whole spiral, turn it over. Uh, could I could you know I got into a couple of them, and it was it was like fun. It was like 
because there's so much technique into it. And I think that's why I love the game of baseball so much is there's so, the little things about everything that goes yeah. into it. And that's kind of like what happened in the punt side. It's, it's very, very technical uh, on how to get that spiral. So it was, it was, it was cool. Yeah, I think that was my farthest one. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Like it's a very unique skill, you know, like, yeah. like and not I was everyone like, I, can I'm punt. a bigger guy. So like every time, like I said, every time I'm like, yeah, I was a punter in high school. They like get I get the funniest look. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like there aren't but, any six three two forty punters. Yeah, yeah but, but, even a, but Mike he might might have been the best player on the team, but you know, you're going just going out there to punt. So people had to be like running out oh, there yeah. like this should be our quarterback, but like he's our punter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. So you committed to Mississippi State, Austin, and but then you get picked with the 41st overall pick after your senior year of high school, right? And right. you end up going to the Braves. How tough of a decision was that to not go to college and to instead decide to start your professional career? It was tough. It really was. So I actually was getting more attention from the pitching side in high school of like getting drafted as a pitcher. Interesting. Um, but, CC, I don't know how you did it. My arm hurt all the time when I pitched. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I had to kind of take a, a leap of faith. And I was like, look, I'm, if I'm going to get drafted, there's no way I'm going to pitch or I'm not going to have – I'm not going to be in the game long. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to back out of the, of the draft as a pitcher and only go as a position player. Um, and so we went to a couple pre-draft workouts. Only like the Braves and maybe one other team like liked me as, as a position player. Um, and luckily the Braves took the, took the pick and it was more or less of like, if I got life changing money, cause I am a homebody, yeah. um, that was the only way I was going to, I was going to get drafted. Not, I was fine going to Mississippi state fortunate enough that the, the Braves took the chance on me, uh, and got that life changing, life changing money and, and, uh, took it. Man, that's, that's pretty cool because Mississippi state is not a bad option. You know what I mean? As far as playing in front of big crowds. Like I just saw them right. playing Ole Miss. It was 18,000 people down there. You know what I right. mean? Like it's it's a real awesome place to go and develop. So, you know, having to, to make the, that choice out of, you know, Mississippi State or going with the Braves. I mean, that's that's two pretty good choices to have to make coming out of high school. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was. And and like I said, ultimately it was like taking taking that chance on myself. Um, and and it, it, uh, I think, you know, looking back at it now, the, you know, because when I got, when I would have been there, they went through some struggles. They, I think they went through three coaches in three years. Um, all my buddies that went there, you know, still to this day say I made the best decision. Um, <laughs> so it, it definitely, it definitely worked out. <laughs> How hard did you throw off the mail? I was, you know, I sat in 93, 95. I think, I think I topped that at like 96. Um, I actually committed to Mississippi State as a catcher. Um, wow. And then, you know, eventually started throwing. They were like, hey, you're going to pitch and play you know, third. So that's that's where the, the whole third base transition started started coming into play. Oh, wow. You know, that's crazy. That's I was just about what the, the yeah. Braves saw. I mean, Mike Harris, same thing. He was a pitcher the yeah, whole time. Right. And then the Braves are the only team that really saw him as, a, as an outfielder. Now he's rookie of the year center fielder. That's crazy. That's crazy. Crazy. What do you think, Austin, you guys with Atlanta, just to build off what CC just talked about, you have a lot of really good young talent. And it feels like the organization has done a great job doing two things that at least stand out to me as someone who's removed from it. One, 
trusting the young talent early, maybe earlier than most do at the major league level. Obviously, Harris is an example of that from last season. And then two, also developing the young yeah. talent and where, you know, it's not just, oh, we, we've heard about Austin Riley or, you know, we've heard about Acuna or, or, you know, you name it. It's like, oh, these dudes who we heard are going to be good. Like they're actually awesome, you know? Really and, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and, and you know that while all of it has to begin and end with you, right? And the work you do and your talent and your ability, you know, when you see flashes of guys in certain organizations and how they like show, but it doesn't fully develop, you know that the organization has to play some role in allowing the player to fully blossom. So what, what is it about Atlanta and player development that seems to be right now striking the exact right chord? You know, I, I think it's, it goes to, you know, the group of guys that they, they don't, they don't get just great players. They get great personalities, great people mm -hmm. that, that share one common goal. And that's to, to, to win a world series, to, to be as successful as possible. And I, I think that, that alone and kind of what I was touching on earlier, it's like they, they bring in, it's just the culture that they bring in. Like I said, mm -hmm. from, you know, I, when I was in the minor leagues, Terry Pendleton was around all the time, you know, at third base. Like I got to spend so much time with, with him, with, with Chipper, with, um, you know, the Hank Aaron, like it just, I think it's the vibe that they bring in all year round. Like I said, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, you, you're, you, you slowly start to, without even realizing it, gravitate towards, you know, that, that form of player. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it, I think it, you know, it shows on, shows on the field. You mentioned Hank Aaron a couple of times. What, what were some of those interactions like, or, or what's memorable about, uh, about interactions with Hank Aaron? Yeah. I, I remember the very first time I met him, we were in Orlando um he was he was driving in his golf cart he'd come up we had just got done playing a game um i think I, I i i got a couple knocks and i think the first thing he said to me was like man you got a nice swing and i <laughs> coming from hank aaron it's like you know i'm i'm on top of the world like i couldn't fit my head through a door uh, you know because like i said the impact he's you know he's made on the on the game and 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 outside of the game it's just you know that something like that you know sits with you and then it's like now you want to try to strive to to live up to that, um, to live up to that standard. Um, so it's it's um, you know you get chill bumps. Yeah, no That's doubt. Cool. Austin talked about kind of transitioning to third. When you come up with the Braves in 2019, you're playing the outfield, right? Um, and then I, I mean, and then you mix in some some first, some third. Right. Obviously, eventually you get to the place now where you know you're the the starting third baseman as you have been over the last few seasons, how, how difficult was it sort of shifting positions and figuring that out at the major league level while you're also contributing in a big way offensively? It was uh, so I, I think I played five games in the minor leagues in left field before I got called up. I've never played wow. out before. Jeez. Um, so, you know, it was, Funny stories. Like I, got, I, I've always played in the infield catcher. Growing up, I asked my dad one time. I was like, "Let me play outfield." Like I've, you know, I've never played out there. Let me play out there. So he finally lets me play out there. And one ball gets hit to me. I dive for it, miss it by like five feet. Guys gets an inside the park homer. I, never, I hadn't gone back out there. Uh, oh, so great. it was, 
yeah, it was it was bad. But you know, I think it kind of goes to the point I was saying earlier. It was like just playing, you know, all the sports, um, you know, playing, you know, all the positions. I tell everybody, I was like, don't just pick one, play them all, because you never mm-hmm. know the opportunity that you're going to get to to get the call to the big league level. Uh, and luckily enough, mine was left field. I think Ender had gone down in Ciarte. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, they they put me out there. I was like, hey, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to 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 get to the big league. So that's just where where it came from. Um, luckily enough, didn't get too many difficult plays out there while I was out there. It's pretty pretty routine, um, and, and was able to my own. And and you know, you know, you know, for the first you know short part of the my call up, I, I had some success. Um, so it was good. Yeah, but is is that like that position change? Is that something that you're thinking about all the time? Because that happens a lot now with like top yeah. prospects, whether it's Gavin Lux or whoever. You know, you guys get get to come up because of your offense, and then it may not be a spot for you to play. Like, is that yeah. really weighing on you though? Like your defense and like, you know, going out to play the outfield. You know what I'm saying? Like thinking about that all the time. Yeah, I think especially when you you don't start the swing, because then it's like you know at third base like. You know, you're there so much, you, you know, it's second nature to you. You're not worried, you're really, really worried about it. You know, you can focus on hitting. But then it's like now you're trying to learn a whole new position in front of 40,000 fans, trying not to screw the defensive side up, but then also trying to learn, you know, what a pitcher's trying to do to you, try to make those adjustments. You know, it, it definitely is a challenge. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, I wasn't, you know, somebody that, was like a Ronald or an Ozzy that came up on the stage and just like absolutely tore it up, never looked back. Um, I had my struggles, but I think that's also having those struggles has helped me grow and be the player that I that I am to, today. And 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 understanding that it is a game of failure, and when you do go through those failures, how 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 to how to you know grow from them and and, and ultimately come out on, on top of it. Yeah, no, I think it's good that you got you know you got went through the failures early because you got to learn how to go through the adversity, but. Maybe if you come up and play third base right away where you just get your shot, then you don't have, yeah. you know, maybe you get your shot and you don't look back like the right. other two because those guys got their position and got to just go out yeah. and play, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely think there's trying to balance between, you know, learning a new position and trying to hit a big league level when you first come up. It, it is a challenge. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, whatever it takes to get to the big leagues, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. Like, hey, yeah, I'm doing it. I, if I have to throw in some catcher gear again, I'm doing it. <laughs> it's obviously, uh, it, it's worked out, and you got back to third, and and it, and it's been uh, incredible success there. You know, uh, Austin, how about I? I don't know why I just thought of this question, but like, there's some places where it's very obvious who the team you'd least want to lose to is like if you're a Yankee, right? Like, you don't, well, I guess maybe now it could be the Astros actually, but, but the Red Sox are always that. Team. Right. Who for, for, for you as a brave, right. As someone who's committed there now for, you know, 10 years with your deal, you signed uh, last August. Who's the team that it's just, and I know I'm saying this after you guys lost to Philadelphia in the playoffs last year, but is there a team that you just like, it like, that is the team I would least like to lose a postseason series to. Like, gosh, like just not them. You know, obviously, yeah, the Phillies was was a tough one, but I, I'm sticking with the Mets. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, just because, like I said, that's you know, since, since I've been in the league, it's like who we've we've always been, you know, kind of back and forth. We chased them all year long last year, 
Um, and, and they're a tough team. And, and it's a fun it's a fun series. Every time we go there, it's like playoff baseball atmosphere. Um, so I, I'm I'm sticking with the with the Mets. Yeah. You know what's what's crazy, Rico? As a as a Yankee, is Tampa. Like we can really? we can we yeah you can stomach losing to Boston because it's it's like our rival. Like they're right, you know they're right. they're a good organization, but we never supposed to lose to Tampa. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. e- even losing a, a regular season series down there, you feel like God dang. Like, yeah, what right. are we, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what are we that, doing? It, it really hurts when you lose in Tampa. Uh, yeah, I heard that. Well, you know what? It, it's um, it's a it's a feeling that unfortunately you guys got a little familiar with in recent <laughs> exactly. years. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of people have been familiar with uh, to start the 2023 season as well. Um, God, what a start, man! Oh my gosh, crazy, right? Just like top insane, to bottom, pitching, man. hitting, defense, yeah. everything. Running the bases, they crazy to watch. Man. Yeah, all uh, cylinders. Uh, you know, Austin, it's interesting. You did something that a lot of your Braves teammates have done, and that sign long-term deals uh, with the Braves before you get to free agency. And whenever something like this happens, there's always conversation between two parties, sort of the – hey, this person could have gotten so much more if they had waited to free agency. And they're like, hey, that's amazing money. That's a great deal. Security for life. Like, take it now. You never know what can happen. How about for you? How difficult was it to make the decision? You know, a lot of people are going to say like, oh, $200 million. Like, it's not that difficult to make that decision. But like the other side of it is if you hit free agency, right? Instead of averaging 20-something million a year, you might be averaging... 35 million a year, right? The way you're playing, maybe right. more. Um, but again, you're playing with like monopoly money, so to speak, at that point. How how much of a debate was it for you in your decision to sign the deal you did to to stay with the Braves long term? You know, it was obviously there was conversation there that was like, yeah. yeah, I have potential to, you know, if I were to wait, make make more. There, like I totally understood that. Um I think it was one of those things where Atlanta had been 100% great to me. Um, it's it's all I knew. My wife has got family in Atlanta. I'm, you know, my, my parents are five hours away from me. I grew up, you know, going to Atlanta all the time. Um, the fans are great. I think the stars aligned so perfectly that it was just something that to me was a pretty much a, a no-brainer that I was like, hey, that I'm I'm 100%, you know, I can put my head, you know, on my pillow every night and know that I was, you know, 100% convicted in that that choice and and feel great about it. Um, so it was it was um, it was honestly like a when the the numbers were brought to me. Yeah. I think as a player, it's like you never really expect like I have that potential to get something like that so i think yeah. that was was more of like the shocking thing more or less of like hey i, I i'm good with this let's let's take it yeah <laughs> like oh my gosh someone's gonna pay me that this is amazing yeah so you right. play baseball like, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah what, to play a, a kid's game for for the rest of my life and, and like i said knowing that the security is there um i i couldn't have i couldn't have asked for anything more yeah 
Well, God bless, man, because that's such a it's a great perspective, and it's so true. Mm-hmm. And also, like the grass isn't always greener. You have one hundred percent. You have a situation you love. You signed an unbelievable contract. Like you don't have to yeah. worry about that at all. Even that, see, like I mean, you went through it as a free agent, and obviously, it became incredibly lucrative for you. See, and but like when you talk about being a free agent, you always talk about hating. Yeah, that no, feeling. but I signed every deal they put in front of me when I was young. Yeah. After my yeah. first year, then I signed an extension. I didn't become a free agent until my eighth year because yeah, I right. signed so many. Because I every deal they put in front of me when I was young, I signed it. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. not like I, I need this. I want the security of knowing that this is where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna make this much amount of money, and I'll make it on the back end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, all the, the having the comfortability of being a young player and being able to just go out and play <laughs> and not worry about anything was huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 100%. No you, you, do you have spectators there for you doing the podcast? Aaron Hicks <laughs> just showed up at the house right now. Oh, really? <laughs> Random. Love that. Oh, what's up, Aaron? What's hey, up? hey, it is Aaron. Awesome, <laughs> oh, that's that. hilarious. Well, well, you know what? It's like Aaron knew that we had to transition to Austin's golf event. It's like right? he just—it's like he just knew that was absolutely perfect. Huh. Hick, Hicks, who's an unbelievable golfer, and Austin, I know. Love that. Th- yeah, yeah. He oh, is, yeah. He is an incredible golfer, and yeah, I know that uh, you are uh, having your inaugural driving for veterans charity golf tournament at uh, TPC Sugarloaf on June fifth uh, right. this summer. Um, I know that you're passionate about honoring those who serve our country, um, and the proceeds are going to benefit Team Red, White, and Blue, a nonprofit forging uh, America's leading health and wellness community for veterans through their post-service journey, focusing on mental and physical health. What kind of made you decide you wanted to do this and uh, and pick this charity specifically? Yeah, um, so it was you know growing up in in Mississippi and and you know being in the outdoors. Um, you know, I love, I'm passionate about the outdoors and hunting, um, and seeing, you know, on TV, you know, you know, certain TV shows taking, you know, veterans and, and, you know, just getting them out in the outdoors, um, and learning their stories. Um, that, that was, you know, something that has always been kind of, you know, intriguing to me and, and wanting to, you know, now that I'm in a, a position where I can be a part of that and, and help, you know promote that in a way because you know they kind of get you know to me they get left on the back burner sometimes once they yeah. are service and they make the mm-hmm. you know to me the ultimate sacrifice uh for our freedom so that's where that kind of um all conspired was you know how can i you know just elevate it even even more um and teaming up with team red white and blue you know to me it it, it made perfect sense um you know kind of you know teaming up with them to you know, promote the health and wellness. Cause like I said, their day, their, the better days are ahead of them. Um, and I think that's something that's super important because, you know, just hearing a few of the stories that I've, you know, been able to be a part of, um, you know, conversations with those guys of, you know, how much, you know, it makes an impact once, you know, when they are cross country, um, you know, coming back home, um, you know, just the everyday lives, you know, if, if I can be just a small portion of, of what helps, helps you know a certain somebody um you know that that hits home for me man that's it's crazy you know what's crazy about you guys' generation of, of player is that you guys watched everything that guys did on the field but also off the field so like whether it's you or aaron judge or aaron hicks or all these guys are incredibly philanthropic 
because they watch the, the players before them get right. back and do all that stuff. And it's cool that you guys not only want to be like those guys on the field, but more so off the field and affecting and have affecting change and stuff in your community. That's pretty cool to, that you are starting this this uh, golf event. And, you know, hopefully you continue to just continue to keep touching lives um, outside of the baseball field. No doubt. No doubt. Because like I said, it's, you know, me being extremely blessed where I'm at, you know, I feel like there's 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 something that I need to, you know, there's all, you know, like I said, I feel like there's, I've been given an opportunity and, and you know, if there's any way I can, can help um, and it being on a golf course, which I love, love the game of golf uh, and, and can, you know, hear, you know, one or two stories and just be a part of, of something with them. I think that that'll be awesome. That's really cool. Awesome. Good for you, man. And uh, a big hunter, huh? Yes, I am. I'm, yeah. I, I love the, I love the outdoors. It's uh it's my little, you know, get away from, from baseball and, um, you know, we're, we're in the spotlight so much. So I get to go out there and, and collect my thoughts and, and just, you know, just, you know, and enjoy, enjoy that, the outdoors. Growing up that way, getting yeah, into it or where'd yeah, you get into it? Yeah. yeah. So I, I've, I've been ever since I could, you know, get out in the woods, I, I yep. was in them. Oh, that's, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Austin, it has been fantastic getting to know you a little better, getting to talk with you. This is something C and I talk about this all the time, but for our audience, this is, you know, what we love is them, you know, okay, they've seen you hit 30 plus homers back to back years and, and win a World Series, but now they get to actually, you know, know Austin Riley a little bit better. And, and, and that's what we love about R2C2. So thank you, man. Thank you for, yeah, uh, no, thank you spending for the time today. Me. We appreciate it, man. And good luck with the event. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. And good luck the rest of the season. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Good luck the rest of the way. I appreciate it. Austin has a nice way about him, doesn't he, see? Yeah, he's super, super, super nice, dude. And, and what he said about the Braves, you know, drafting not only talent, but quality humans, um, you know, I think that makes a difference in your clubhouse, and you can see it comes through when you're talking to him. Yeah, it's it was great getting to chat with him, and as I always reference, it gives us an added layer of interest in his season and in watching him continue to blossom. But and, this is a player who has been ridiculously productive. And the Braves are on fire right now as we're recording oh this. They've won eight straight. They've beaten the shit out of Padres right now. So <laughs> team's looking pretty good. The Braves are a machine right now organizationally. I mean, honestly, though, they have been for the past fucking 30 years. You're right. They you know just haven't had the postseason they ha success. They haven't had yeah. the postseason, but they've been a fucking machine, bro. Yes, yes, Like a yes. machine. And, and their culture, like, I mean, we talked about it on the pod with Austin, but their culture is built in. Doesn't matter who comes into that clubhouse. It's already built into when you put that Braves uniform on, this is how you act. This is what you do. Like, kind of is what it is. It's cool. It's really cool. Love talking with Austin. Next week, we get a chance to chat with Christian Yelich. A lot of big guests coming our way uh, over the next few weeks, so make sure you're locked in. New episodes every Thursday, bonus episodes as well. And uh, make sure you're following us on all our social channels. Peace, everybody. Peace.